0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, March the 10th, 2023. It is currently 1135 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I know it's 11.35. If I said 10.35, I apologize. But March the 10th, 11.35, did I confuse the 10 and the 11? I don't think I did. But it's 11.35 p.m. Central Time here in West Texas. And I know that's a late hour. So what I'm going to do is not take a lot of time this evening. But I just had to turn on the microphone one more time to talk about John chapter 5, because I know we're running out of week, right? This is the John chapter 5 week. Sunday, we're supposed to move on to a new chapter in the Gospel of John. Next week is going to be definitely messed up. Sunday evening, Monday, and Tuesday is is basically there's, I'm not going to be able to get anything done Sunday night, Monday, or Tuesday. That means the next live broadcast may not occur to sometime Wednesday, so that means that whole week of of Bible study is going to be kind of messed up. So everything's going to be really disjointed and disconnected. And I'm getting a little worried about that, a little bit of anxiety about that, because I don't like, I don't like to get behind. But I, I do know that this week also has gotten away from me. So I'm like, we got to work on John 5. We got to work on John 5. I know it's almost midnight, but we got to work on John 5. So I'm like, basically what I'm doing right now is I'm going to everyone's house and I'm like, I'm knocking on the door and people are like, who's at the door? It's almost midnight. Who's at the door? Who's at the door? And they open the door. Yes. Yeah, I'm here to talk about John chapter five. And you're like, uh, hey, it's uh, Mr. Theology Central guy. It's almost midnight. I don't really care about John chapter five. I'm trying to go to sleep. How dare you go to sleep? You should be studying John chapter five. When did you start putting sleep before John? And, and you would probably like get off my yard or I'm gonna get a gun. And I'm like, no, 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 don't get a gun. We need to talk about John chapter five, all right? So after you shoot me and I call the cops, then, then maybe the cops will make you sit down and talk about John chapter five. I, okay, maybe that's a ridiculous analogy. The point is we need to talk about John chapter five, but instead of doing a full-blown teaching because it is almost midnight, I simply want in a sense, kind of knock on your door. And when you open the door at around midnight, I'm like, hey, I want to give you a question about John chapter five, and then I'll leave. Okay, right? So I'm just going to knock on your door. I'm going to like, okay, I have a question. And that question is, are you ready? Okay, I want you to explain to me John chapter five, verse 14. All right, later, bye. And I'm going to run to the next house. Hey, hey, I know it's midnight, but I, I need to give you a question. John chapter five, verse 14. How do you understand that? Go to the and I'm just going to go from house to house to house to house around midnight, telling people that I need them to think about John chapter five verse fourteen. I know what you're thinking. No, 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 no. You're supposed to be giving me the answer. No, this is the Bible study exercise podcast series where I try to get you off the couch and do the exercise for yourself. So we have this very complicated verse. So the question is, this is good, this is the exercise for the rest of the weekend. What method do you use in order to find the answer? I will explain. Are you ready? John chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. Then we'll read 14, and I'll I'll kind of present the problem in a question form, and then you can start working on it. So are you ready? Okay, all right. John chapter 5, I know you're in bed, but that's okay. I'm not getting on the door. You're getting out of bed. What do you want? Hey, 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 John chapter 5, I need you to listen really quick. Here we go. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first After the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, we've been working a lot on verse four problems, textual issues. We've been working a little bit on that. Also, I've been working on the fact of all of these people laying around this pool, right? Longing for something, in a sense, desiring something, thirsting with something. And I try to connect that to John 4 with a woman coming to the well who was going to, and if she drank that water, she was going to continue to thirst. These people are longing for something as well. Both cases, you've got basically the woman at the well, and here you have a man at a pool. And both of them, well, they need something other than what they think they need, all right? And you'll 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 see this, all right. So, um, a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Thirty eight years, this man's had this infirmity. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now had been now a long time in that cause or in that case, he saith unto him, "Will thou be made whole?" The impotent man answered him, "Sir." I have no man where the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Hey, I've been trying to get healed, but no one hears to help me. And everyone else is just looking out for themselves. No one cares to help me. I mean, that whole situation is just so messed up. Here's someone who's been there for 38 years and people are like, oh, wait, 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 here's my opportunity. Get back, buddy. I'm getting in before you. And nobody would even bother to help him. I mean, just kind of a... a a really depressing and discouraging situation. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now the Jews therefore said unto him, That was cured. Is it the Sabbath day? Is it not lawful for thee to carry thy bed? He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Then asked him, what man is it that said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? Now all they care about ultimately is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You broke, you broke a rule. You broke a religious rule. You broke. Now the question we could ask, this is just a question for your Bible study exercise. Did he actually break a commandment? Is there anything in the actual Law of God in the Old Testament that says if a man picks up his bed and walk, he's actually doing something wrong. Like, like, did, was he actually breaking a, a law? And if he was breaking the law, why did Jesus have him break the law? And how do we understand that? I mean, that that's a, that's a good conversation to have. Verse 13. And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed, had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Wait wait a minute, wait a minute. So many questions, right? So my question is, how do we understand verse 14? Now, there are different, there's two things we need to understand. First... Does this not imply that, hey, is this implying that his 38 years of his condition was caused by sin? Is that, is that implied in any way, shape, or form? Hey, hey, if you sin, something worse is going to happen to you and this was bad enough, or is it not implying that? I, th- I don't think it necessarily has to imply that his problem was caused by sin, but I think what this does seem to say, hey, go and sin no more. But see, this seems to imply that he had sinned, right? Right. Go and sin no more, implying that, that he had been sinning. So is this implying then that his sin led to him to having 38 years of this condition? That would raise some serious theological questions, right? So uh, how do how do you want to approach that? I'll kind of leave it there. I'm not going to be too dogmatic. But the real question is this. What does Jesus mean by saying, go and sin no more, all right? Okay. Um, Behold, thou art made whole... Sin no more. Okay, not go and sin no more. The exact text says sin no more. So what does Jesus mean by sin no more, lest the worst thing cometh upon thee or unto thee? What does Jesus mean by sin no more? First, what does Jesus mean by sin no more? Now, I think, now you can start looking at commentaries, but I don't want you to look at commentaries. I don't want you to look to sermons. I know that that probably a lot of you have already done that, but I want you to forget what they've said. Just you looking at that, what, how can you approach this? Sin no more. Just, just I want if you have a no, a journal, you have a journal. I just want or a notebook. I want you to just like sin no more, and then I want you to write down all the possible ways of understanding it. Okay, obviously we have a first way of understanding. It. Jesus literally means go and never sin again. Jesus literally means do not sin. Never sin ever, 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 ever again. Because if you sin one more time ever again, something worse is going to happen to you than 38 years laying near this pool, trying to find someone to help you. That could mean that. Now, that would raise serious questions. That would raise serious questions. But that's a possibility when sin no more means actually don't ever sin again or something horrible is going to happen to you. All right, but we're focusing on the sin no more right now. We'll focus on the second part in a second, all right? Now, we really got the other part. Does does this text imply that this man was in this condition because of sin? Because Jesus says sin no more, implying that he was sinning, and then something bad happened to him. So h- how do we want to work on that? I'm not going to th- phrase it as a question, but the first thing I really want you to look at is sin no more. How do you understand when Jesus says sin no more? Does he mean to never sin again? All right? That's not that's, that's number that's, that's a that's a that's a first, that's the question. And number one is the the first option we have in answering this question did Jesus what did Jesus mean by sin no more? The first option would be he literally means to never sin again. All right? That would be the first option. You have to at least write down as an option. All right? Number two, Jesus didn't mean never sin again, Jesus just means Don't let sin dominate your life in some kind of way. Like, just. Don't let sin be the direction. In other words, you have to modify this in some way. Don't let sin, cause you got to be careful how you modify this, right? Cause a lot of, a lot of commentaries, and again, I don't want you looking at commentaries, but a lot of commentaries try to place a modifier here. And it's really, it's so deceptive. Well, I mean, he just means like, well, just don't let the general direction of your life be sin. But if you really consider your life and my life and everyone's life, we're constantly in a state of sin. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You never do that, so you're in a constant state of sin. Be holy as he is holy. You're not holy as he is holy, so you're in a constant state of sin. So when you say, don't let your life go in a a direction of sin, what do you mean by that? Are you meaning avoiding certain outward actions? So when Jesus says sin no more, either one, he means don't sin at all, or two, you have to try to modify it to just mean, well, I mean, just don't go commit really bad sins or or don't, you just have to modify it to really you make it meaningless. So that that, I don't know, I don't know if you like that. So number one, number one, okay, it is don't ever sin again. Number two, well, don't kind of, don't go in that direction. Don't go in that direction. Don't, don't. Or number three, Jesus wants to, Jesus is basically giving this man the law. He's given this man the law to say, go be perfect. And, and and we'll understand this. Jesus is giving him law for this man, hopefully, to realize he can't do it. Kind of like what he did with the rich young ruler, right? Go, oh, 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 you, what, you want to know what to do to inherit eternal life? Well, keep the law. Well, I've, which ones? Well, I've kept all of this since I was young. Okay. Well, oh, you've kept these laws. Okay. Well, then go sell every, you've kept these laws. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Jesus at no, at no point says, wait, 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 wait. I'm not telling you that's actually how you get saved. No, what he was trying to do is show this man, Hey, go and do this. And the man hopefully would realize I can't do this. What's the answer? And the answer is, well, believe in Jesus Christ is, is this an example where what Jesus is really doing is giving this man the law. He's healed the man physically, but the man hasn't been healed spiritually, right? So, is is he about to say, look, go and sin no more or something worse will happen? In other words, stop sinning completely or... What's going to happen worse? Well, judgment, eternal judgment, separation from God for eternity is far worse. Remember, what is is what? What is worse? What someone can do to the body should you fear those who can hurt the body or fear God who can destroy both the body and soul in hell, right? So the worst would be hell, correct? So is Jesus, in a sense, giving him the law saying, go and sin no more or something worse is going to happen to you? So what does Jesus mean by sin no more? Does he mean don't ever sin ever again? If you do, and I I know I was trying to save the second part about what this worst part, but okay. Just does he mean don't ever literally don't ever sin again? Don't. He, He means that in the most literal way or number two, does he mean it in kind of a very watered down way? Well, I mean, just don't sin in big ways or number three is what he's really doing. Is he, is he giving this man the law? Hey, I, hey, come here, come here. Look, go and sin no more. Don't No more sin. Where the man would be like, uh, I can't do that because no one can, which is the whole point of the law, right? To show you your inability to drive you to Jesus. So how do we understand the sin no more? And then how do we understand, and I've kind of already given an, an answer, lest a worse thing cometh unto thee. Lest a worse thing come out. How do we understand? What is this worst thing that could happen to you? Worse, worse as, so in other words, what's our options with the worst? Well, the worst thing is, hey, you think 38 years being in your physical, something, something, a, a, a worse disease, something, in other words, something worse. When Jesus says something worse will happen to you. A worse thing will come unto thee. He is referencing something in this life, a temporal, horrible, physical, emotional, mental something that would happen in this life. Is Jesus referencing something worse happening to this person, to some to this person in this life? Is the worst thing something bad happening in this life? That's that's the first option. That's, that could be the first thought. So the way we would understand this then, don't ever commit another actual sin ever again, because if you do, something worse in this life will happen. All right. Or we could say, Hey, 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 don't now don't, uh, go and sin no more. Meaning, okay, just, just kind of live your life pretty good. Don't commit any big sins because if you do, something worse will happen to you in this life. Or number three, hey, go and sin no more. Well, in other words, Jesus is giving him the law and he's giving him the law because if he doesn't keep the law, right? If he, In other words, he's trying to demonstrate to this man, hey, you can't keep the law. And because you can't keep the law, something worse is going to happen to you in this life. Well, that obviously does. When you get to the law thing, that doesn't even make any sense there. So it would only make sense for the first two. Right, So the first idea is sin no more is referencing to literally don't ever commit another sin because if you do, something worse will happen to you in this life. Or secondly, hey, just go and don't sin in kind of a a big way or something worse will happen to you in this life. So the the worst, something worse will happen to you refers to something bad happening in this life. The second way of possibly understanding this, this worst thing is referring to hell, eternal judgment. Now let's try to run it through, again, our, our options here, right? Our our first option is sin no more means don't ever commit another sin again. If you do, you will burn in hell, which is far worse than your 38 years of your infirmity that you were suffering with, All right. Well, that one... Well, everyone would go to hell because we all continue to sin. So you already can see the problem with that one. See, sometimes what you have to do is you have to walk through every possible plausible option to see what you have to go through every option to see what's plausible and what's not. This one would begin to fall apart immediately right here. Right. In fact, yeah, all of the all of these would start falling apart if you really think about them. The second one is hey, okay, listen now. Once you become now that now that you're supposedly a believer, look, don't don't go commit any big sins, because if you do, you'll go to hell. Well, this would be almost like a lose your salvation idea. In fact, both of these would almost be like a lose your salvation kind of concept. Right? Now some would say, well, if you if you if you go commit too many big sins, you prove you were never saved. But whether you say you're proving you're never saved or you're losing your salvation, you're still arguing that your actions are determining whether you're saved or not saved, which is problematic all the way around. All right. So, so now the third one would be, the third one I remember, that Jesus is simply giving the law. And what he's saying is, hey, you, the law says be perfect. So go sin. No more. No more sin. Because if you do, you will go to hell. And this should lead the man to despair and say, I can't do this. Now, that would, that would fit perfectly with the law. Now, that would fit perfectly with law. Because the law says, go be perfect. You can't be perfect. And if you're not perfect, you'll go to hell. That's exactly what the law does. Which would, should drive the man to the gospel. It's the th- same thing Jesus did with the rich young ruler. Hey, what do I have to do to inherit inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments. Which commandments? Da-da-da-da-da. Well, I've done that since I was young. Oh, have you really? Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. I can't do that. Okay, well, Jesus didn't say, come back. Because the man did not allow the law to drive him to Jesus. He let the law drive him to despair. Now, what happens after this? Uh, The man just departs. Um, It says, uh, the man just departed, told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews, the man, we don't hear, we don't hear any more about the man. Now, the problem is the text doesn't give us any help right there, right? So you've got, you've only got really three options. Here's the three options i I was just going to kind of present a question now I'm kind of going into full blown teaching, but i'm trying to give I'm trying to present this to you so that you can struggle with it. The first option would be Jesus is saying literally, Never commit another sin again. if you do, something horrible will happen to you in this life. Something will happen to, in this temporal, fleshly, earthly life worse than your 38 years of infirmity. Or Jesus is saying, hey, don't ever sin again or you'll go to hell. All right. Both of those are so problematic. And why are those so prob- problematic? Because we all continue to sin. The second way is trying to, is is really just playing, a, a, it's just a, a foolish game. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus didn't mean don't ever sin again. He just means, that your life won't go in the general direction of sin. It's just sin won't dominate your life. But what do you mean by that? Because we sin all the time in thought, word, and deed by what we do and leave uh, leave undone. We're in a perpetual state of sin, everyone. So this one would be like, hey, just don't make sin the dominant part of your life. I don't even know what that means since we're always in sin. And and because if you do, something worse will happen to you in this life than your 38 years of infirmity or, hey, 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 don't, don't make sin the dominant part of your life or you're going to go to hell. I don't know if that one really works because you can't really identify what it means to sin, that sin no more just means sin less, but you can't really quantify it or qualify it. The third way, I think this one makes sense. Jesus is saying, Hey. You've been physically healed. Now, listen up. Go and never commit another sin. Because if you do, hell awaits you. You thought that 38 years of infirmity was bad? Something worse is coming. And the only way to avoid it is be perfect. Now, that should make you go, wait, 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 I can't be perfect. I'm going to sin. I've already sinned. In fact, as soon as I got up off off the ground and took up my bed, I started sinning. So what's my only hope? It's supposed to drive him to Christ. I think this is the same kind of game Jesus played with a rich young ruler. I gave you three options. You can probably come up with more, but let me know what you think about these three options. I've given you three options on how to understand sin no more. Th- uh, basic. I've given you three options there uh, and I've given you two options and how to understand something worse will happen to you. I've given you three options for sin no more and I've given you two options for how to understand something worse will happen to you. And I've tried to apply each, I've tried to put them together and I want you to try to write them out. You can write that out like on paper and then you can add your own, you can modify But I want you thinking and thinking and thinking about this this evening. I just know this. If my hope is to go and sin no more, (laughs) well, I'm done because I've sinned today. I will sin tonight. I will sin in the morning. I will sin on Sunday. I will sin Monday. I will sin Tuesday. I'm going to sin. So I sin every single day all the time. So my only hope is that, yes, Jesus tells me to go sin no more. I'm going to sin. My only hope is in him because guess what? He did not sin. So in him, I'm sinless. I don't, I don't understand how else you interpret that unless we've got to really change our definition of what sin is. All right. There you go. I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, and there you go. I'm going to leave your yard now. It's midnight. It's now. It's straight up midnight right now. See? I'm, I'm leaving. Now, some of you, it's 1 a.m., but that's because you live in some weird time zone that shouldn't exist. The only time mm-hmm. zone that exists should be Texas, but it's midnight, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slowly back away. I'm backing away from your door. Sorry to disturb you. Sorry. Y'all have a great night thinking about John 5 and answering these questions, okay? I'm, I'm leaving. Put the gun down. Put the gun down. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, okay? Y'all have a good, wonderful, restful night. I promise not to knock on your door anymore. Everyone, thanks for listening. God bless.